the challenge of speaking on the topic, the topic of prayer, is that it presumes that the person speaking has it all together. And now is speaking from the standpoint of one who has mastered it and who does not necessarily struggle with prayer. Let me assure you, I am not coming from that position this morning. In fact, I would say to you that as I began to study and look at this next series, it occurred to me that about halfway through, I realized I have a lot to learn yet. And so I want you, as we get into this series, I want you to think about not trying to be the best prayer. But I, when, when, when Pastor Scott and I talked about this initially, I said, I would love for us to move past just the 30 days, the month of prayer, where we would presumably check the box and move on to the next series. But I would suggest that let's try to adopt a mindset that becomes a lifelong rhythm of prayer for all of us. March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, January, 2017, and on. That some kind of way this would become such an important piece of what it means to be an authentic Christian follower, Christ follower, that this feels like breathing. It feels like we have to do it. Got a short video clip for you this morning. Mm-hmm. Well, the series. Let me get our coffee. So if I asked you what your prayer life was like, would you say that it was hot or cold? I don't know that I would say it's hot. I mean, we're like most people. We have full schedules. We work. But I, I would consider myself a spiritual person. I'm not hot, but I'm not cold either. Just, you know, somewhere in the middle. Here you go. I've got cream of sugar if you need it. Oh, no, thank you. I like it black. Miss Clara, you like your coffee room temperature? No, baby, mine's hot. If you have not seen the movie, make sure that you take time and check out War Room. In my opinion, it's probably one of the best movies I've seen probably in the last 10 years. Not that I watch a lot of movies, but that one is worth it. Very, very much worth it. How would you describe your prayer life? Heavenly Father, help us now as we prepare our hearts to hear from you. God, I come to you as a spokesperson to your people. I come, God, as a sinner, simply saved by your grace. I come, God, just asking for mercy that this servant would speak as you would have him speak. You have covered me in your son's righteousness. 
I come not, God, as one who has mastered anything, especially this prayer topic. But I come, God, submitting to you that you, O God, would speak, that you would have your way, that when we are done this day, that we will be encouraged to do what you would have us to do, to become all the more authentic people of God, people of prayer, on a consistent, regular basis. In the precious, anointed name of Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen. Amen. How would you describe your prayer life? Cold, hot, or somewhere in between? Today I want to make one point, and I want to give this point. I'll say it to you at least two or three times during this moment. Authentic faith in Jesus Christ integrates an attitude of prayer and perpetual God consciousness that deepens our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Let me say it again. The main point that I'm going to be making today is that authentic faith. We are people that have already declared because we are redeemed. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a redeemed individual. And we are people that purport to say that we have authentic faith. And we're saying that authentic faith in Jesus Christ integrates an attitude of prayer and perpetual God consciousness that deepens our relationship with our Heavenly Father. In other words, all of us should be continually drawing near to God toward a more authentic faith and deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's our agenda. We have no other agenda. Our agenda is to build that relationship with our Heavenly Father in such a way through His Son, Christ, that, that, that it becomes natural in our day-to-day moving along in life. And the challenge that most of us will face, including me, all of us will face, especially in this Silicon Valley, is that we're too busy to pray. We have too many issues going on, and to take the time is just one more thing that we have to do. Interesting quote. Prayer is not an exercise. It is the life of the saint. Oswald Chambers. Countless people pray far more than they know. Often they have such a stained glass image of prayer that they fail to recognize what they are experiencing as prayer and so condemn themselves for not praying. Maybe you already pray. Maybe you already have a rhythm of prayer. Maybe you don't pray. Maybe it becomes one of those things that I, it just, it's, just, it's just complicated, Pastor. I would submit to you that it's not complicated. In fact, it is the very essence of what our spiritual relationship, our relationship with the Heavenly Father, it's the, it's the very essence of what that relationship is about. We want to commune with the Father. Just like Jesus Christ was connected in, with the Father. I can't do anything unless the Father, I check in with the Father. That dialogue is back and forth. When, the, when you see the Father working, you see me working, the Father is working, the Father is in me, I'm in the Father. You see that relationship. There's a constant communion going on between the Son and the Father. 
we as authentic followers of Jesus Christ want to build that relationship with our Heavenly Father. And the way we build that relationship is we take the time and we begin to look at what it means to have a rhythm, a lifelong rhythm of committed prayer. What hinders us from drawing near to God? What hinders us from drawing near to God? Because what this is really is about it is getting close to God, getting into that place, that place where we on a consistent basis, we're talking to God. Is it necessarily a prayer room? No, it could be. Is it always a church or a prayer meeting? It could be. It doesn't have to be. It's simply living life as prayers, prayers, individuals who are committed to their Heavenly Father and to Jesus Christ in prayer. So what hinders us in our drawing near to God in prayer? I came up with seven things, and, and, and these are just not exhaustive, but just some observations I made. Number one, we're too busy. We're too busy to connect with God because there's things to do. It's the Martha syndrome, like in Luke 10, 41. It's that whole thing of Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha is busy, and she's fussing because Mary will not help her. And Jesus has to gently rebuke her and say, wait a minute, Mary has desired the thing that's right. She's here at my feet. You're busy. You're frustrated because your busyness has taken away your real focus. And the real focus is the Savior is sitting here in your home. Are we too busy? Do our jobs, our children and appointments and all the things that we have to do get in the way of having a regular drawing near to God time? Number two, we possess a distorted motive for prayer. In other words, we treat prayer as kind of the rubbing the magic lamp. I, 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 I'm going to pray to God if I can get something from God. I rub the magic lamp and genie comes out and I just ask, what, do, what, is it, what, what is it I need? And the genie grants it. We treat God as the genie in the bottle. That's a distorted motive James says in James 4, 3, you, you have not because you ask not. And when you, when you do ask, your motives are distorted. You're asking with the wrong agenda. Number three, we're just too lazy. It's one more thing to do. It's just one more thing on the list of things. You're asking me now to spend some time in prayer. I've already got these things to do. And you don't have little kids, Pastor Ali. It's one more thing I have to do. Number four, we just don't see the benefit. What's the payoff? What do I get for it? What am I getting back? I prayed one time and God didn't answer it, so I'm done with that. Number five, we have unconfessed sin. If I harbor sin in my life, in my heart, God does not hear And it's hard for me to approach a holy God when we know that there's sin in the way. 
Number six, we don't understand God's sovereignty. We don't understand who is it that we're calling on, who is it that we're drawing near to. If we really understood who it is that we're really drawing near to, maybe we'd have a different attitude about drawing near to our God. We'll talk more about that later. And number seven, we just simply lack faith. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, you know it. It's impossible to please God. I want to zero in on those last two. We don't understand who is it, the sovereignty thing and the faith piece. I want to zero in on those two because I believe that at the outset, those two probably will be a stumbling block for a lot of people. Now, again, maybe you are already there. Maybe you already have your rhythm of prayer. Okay, that's a good thing. But my prayer for you and my prayer for myself is that to continue to grow in my relationship with God so that I can be all that God has called me to be. I just don't want to check the box off. Authentic faith in Jesus Christ integrates an attitude of prayer and perpetual God consciousness that deepens our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Our text that we picked that we're going to kind of use for this series, and you'll be, we'll be coming back to it over and over again, is 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18. And you know the scripture. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray without ceasing. What does that mean, pastor? Does that mean that I'm to walk around with this perpetual head bent mode and down kind of walk around? Or am I always on my knees and going through life with my head down all the time? No, 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 no. It is precisely this point that I made early on, that it is an attitude. An attitude that comes to God on a perpetual basis, that that, that has a mindset that's a God consciousness. Please hear this. It is an attitude that's a God consciousness, aware of the very presence of God at work, at home, in your jobs, wherever you're at, that God is there. And he's always waiting for us to call on him. He's always waiting for us to pause a minute amidst life's busyness and carve out that space for him. And it could be a simple thing like just simply saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you. When have you done that last? often do you take the time just in the middle of the busyness of the day to just pause and talk to God? Driving down 101 or 85 or 87 or 280, when, do you, when have you spoken to God? Authentic faith in Jesus Christ integrates an attitude of prayer and a perpetual God consciousness that deepens our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Now, to have this authentic faith, 
this authentic faith. Because what we're talking about is how do we approach God? We want to make sure that we're approaching God in the right way. And I would say to you, I would submit to you that when you talk about approaching God, authentic faith allows us to humbly approach God. That's We say draw near to God, the writer of Hebrews says. Draw near to God. To humbly approach to our God with confidence and full assurance of faith because we understand by faith to whom we are praying and what he has done. Now, why is this important? I'll tell you why it's important. It's important because it wasn't always that way. In fact, if you go over to Leviticus, in the book of Leviticus, there's a sense you pick up in this. In the, in, and Leviticus is that story about the, the, the Leviticus is, is speaking about the, the priesthood, those that were uh, how God would deal with the priesthood of Israel, the Levites. And so we're talking about before the cross now. We're in the Old Testament and how God looked at the people of God and how he related to them, especially through the religious leaders. Here's how you had to approach God. And you shall not profane my holy name, that I may be sanctified among the people of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. You shall not offer anything that has a blemish, for it will not be acceptable for you. And when anyone offers a sacrifice, a peace offering to the Lord to fulfill a vow or free will offering from the herd or the flock to be accepted, it must be perfect. There shall not be a blemish. And it goes on and on with this description of the kinds of animals. You couldn't even come before God if you had something wrong with your face, if you had a defect in your face. If one leg was shorter than the other leg and you had a limp, you couldn't come to God. If you were born with some sort of deformity, you could not come to God. Why? Because the law said it had to be a perfect sacrifice. Any animal that was brought before God had to be perfect. Nothing wrong with it. Even the high priest going into the Holy of Holies, not the first part, that's where the regular priests could go into and do their duties, but the second part where the Holy of Holies was located, where the Ark of the Covenant was stored, only the high priest could go into that part of the temple, and that occurred once a year, and even then he had to be, take his own sacrifices in there to cover himself. point I'm trying to make is that when he was crucified, when Jesus Christ was crucified, the text says that the curtain that separated the holies of holies is like a 60-foot curtain. That curtain that separated the holy of, holy of holies from the rest of the temple, that curtain was torn from top to bottom. A man could not have done that. And what did it symbolize? That God was removing the barrier, removing that which blocked access to him. And now we have access. We have access to God because he has given us access to himself. That's why it's so important. Because when we approach God now, we approach him because we know that he has given us permission. He has cleared the way. We don't approach him in our own righteousness, no. 
We don't have to approach him being shameful because we, 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 we don't feel good enough. No. We can approach God now because he has clothed us in the righteousness of his own son's blood. He has made us righteous. I like the way the writer in, in Hebrews puts it because it, it's, it's a very, very, if you get a chance, read this because it's so, so key. Hebrews is one of my favorite books because it, it gives you the whole story of what was done now for us and, and under the old covenant, the new covenant, the better way. There's a sense that there's a better way kind of wove, woven throughout the whole thing. In chapter 9 of Hebrews, but when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of his creation, he entered once and for all into the holy places, not means by means of blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and of sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes and of a heifer sanctify for the purification of flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offer it himself without blemish, he was perfect, to purify our conscience. This is key right here. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of true things, but into heaven himself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. What does that mean? That means now we have gained access. So now when the writer says, therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. There's no reason that we cannot draw near to God now. No reason. How should we pray? We pray with an awareness of the one whom we are praying. That's the first thing. Are we aware of what we're really doing? Or is it just kind of a flippant kind of thing? Yeah, and we just utter anything before God. We're going to talk more about this when we talk about details of, of how this prayer looks like. It's a simple thing in terms of praying. But you have to have the right mindset. First Chronicles 29, 11, and 12. And this is the mindset that we have to have. We have to grab this kind of mindset as we approach God. Yours, O God, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. We're talking sovereignty. In your hand are power and might and in your hand it is to make great and to give great strength to all. That's a sovereign God. Jehoshaphat in his prayer in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 6. Imminent danger was facing them. The Moabites and Ammonites were getting ready to attack and they laid siege on the kingdom. And Jehoshaphat, rather than panic, and he was fearful, but he stopped and he said, let me call on my God, the sovereign God. Hear, hear, hear his prayer. 
O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not in God in heaven? You rule over all kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Now that's a prayer. That's a prayer when things are getting ready to get crazy. That's a prayer. How should we pray? Pray with a sense of sober-mindedness and and non-anxiousness. One of the things that people struggle with oftentimes with this whole idea of of praying is, is, is they allow themselves to pray only when things are getting ready to fall apart, when you have no other recourse. Well, I guess I'll pray because nothing else is working. That's not the attitude. The attitude is to pray as part of a rhythm of life so that when you call on your Heavenly Father, when I call on my Heavenly Father, it's not like he's foreign to me. It's like we're holding a communication like we always hold a communication. It's just that this time there's a crisis and and, and it just, I, I, I need to call on him. Pray with a sense of sober-mindedness and non-anxiousness. The end of all things is near, Peter writes. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. 1 Peter 4, 7. And then Philippians 6, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. That's actually 4, 6. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And then finally, you pray believingly, confidently, but humbly. Believingly, confidently, but humbly. Mark records in 11.22, Mark 11.22, and Jesus answered, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Is this a name it and claim it verse? No, it is not. Because when we pray, when we approach God, what we're really saying is, God, we're approaching you with humility and humbleness of heart, and we're surrendered to your will, O God. See, that's the very essence of this rhythm of prayer, a prayer life. You're basically coming to God, and you're saying, God, I'm surrendering to your will. Whatever your will is, God, whatever you desire, I'm praying these things. Here's my agenda, my stuff here. And, but, but God, I'm coming to you, God, as a sinner needing mercy, needing your grace. And I'm submitting these things to you, but I surrender to you, God, because you know what the real need is. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And whoever would draw near to God must believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I believe that one of the challenges, one of the issues that we face in this whole approaching God thing is that we really lack faith. Somebody told us that he's out there, but we're not really convinced. Somebody told us that he's sovereign, but we're not really convinced. Somebody told us that we're, he's able, but we're not really convinced. Somebody told us that he'll make a way out of no way, but we're not really convinced. Somebody said that he, he heals the brokenhearted, but we're not really convinced. And I would beg you, go back and look at some of the basics. 
our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to his power that works within us. What is that power? The Holy Spirit that he has given us. So we don't have to do this alone. Prayer requires faith, believing in God, trusting God, placing our expectations in God. Let me say that again. Prayer requires faith, believing in God, trusting in God, placing our expectations in God. John says, and that's the confidence we have, 1 John 5, 14 and 15, and that's the confidence we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we will have the request that we have asked of him. That's not naming and claim it. That's simply saying, God, it's your call. Authentic faith in Jesus Christ integrates an attitude of prayer and perpetual God consciousness that deepens our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Some of us have what that, that disease, that dreaded disease called uh, APDS. You've heard of it. Arrested Prayer Development Syndrome. It's kind of when you get to a place where you just kind of like, prayer is just kind of, it's just, it's just one more thing, and it's kind of like, so you've kind of slowed down in your prayer. And I want to, I want to leave you with this. We're going to continue to talk about this as the month goes on. How do you counteract that APDS? You fall on your face back to God and say, God, I, I, want, a, I, want, a new, I want a new infusion of your spirit. I, I want you to reinvigorate that, that, that energy in me, that, that your power within me, so that my heart is motivated to talk to you. I want you to do a control-alt-delete on my whole agenda here. Some kind of way I've gotten everything out of whack here, and I want you to help me restart it so that I can move in a way that, that my rhythm of life, is a, my prayer rhythm is, is in sync with who you are. That's what my prayer is for my own life. Over the last weekend, my, uh, my 82-year-old grandmother came up to visit, but it turned out that it looks like it's going to be kind of a quasi-permanent visit because the person that was doing the care for her is not able to do it right now. So Karen and I have taken this on, mostly Karen. She's going to be with Karen for at least three to five months, maybe six months, I don't know. And it's a tremendous burden. And at first, when I first heard about it, because it happened all of a sudden, it was like uh, one day we're sitting there, next day it's like, oh, I'm getting a call, and it's, it, they're on the road. I said, what? And the first thing that came to my mind was, I'm, I'm thinking... Oh, this is going to throw my budget off. This is going to throw everything. I'm just being honest, okay? 
This is going to mess up everything. This is going to cost us because we're going to have to do this. We got, you know, we're buying beds. We're doing this stuff. And, and, and then God, God stopped me in my steps and said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The first thing you ought to do is, is call on me because I know what the real deal is. I know what the situation is. And I had to confess and fall back on my face and say, okay, God, it's your call. However you want to do this. Use me however you want to do it. I ended up having to drive. They broke down somewhere down in uh, Los Banos about an hour and a half away, and I ended up having to go down there because the grandma, uh, Nana, as she is affectionately referred, Karen's mother fell because the sister had had knee surgery and she was trying to do this, and she, it just got confusing. And so I drove down around 11 o'clock one night to help them get back up here, and I got back up here, and then it was like Karen hadn't come down from Eureka yet, and so I've got to figure out how to deal with the grandmother, and, and, and she's saying I need to go to the restroom, and she's in the house, and I'm trying to figure out, now how does this work? Now, hmm, okay, 82-year-old Nana needs to go to the restroom. Okay, and, and I stopped. I said, God, I need some help because I, I don't know how this is working. I need your help. I'm getting frustrated about this whole thing. I'm kind of getting angry a little bit. I need your help. And, and God began to speak in my own heart. And his speaking in my own heart allowed me to speak to my mother-in-law in such a way that it calmed her apprehensiveness and nervousness. And when I realized it was working, I, I, she, she, she had had a fall and she was nervous about falling again. And I kept speaking reassurance to her saying, okay, okay, Nana, I got you. You're not going to fall. I got you. Okay, we're moving toward the toilet over here. Okay, we're moving. We're on. It's almost there. We're almost there. I got you. I'm not going to let you fall. I got you. Okay, now it's directly behind you, Nana. Now I'm going to let you sit down and then I'm going to go out. And when you get finished, there's the tissue right there. I'm going to come back and I'll walk you back over to the bed. Okay? I got you. I'm not going to let you fall. Okay? Okay. Okay, Ollie. Okay. Okay. She's 82 years. She's so sweet. And after we went through all of that, I told her, I said, man, I prayed that God would give you strength in your legs so that you'd be able to get back to the bed. And she said, thank you. And I prayed that God would help me to have a different attitude about the whole thing. Because God has us. He knows that we're apprehensive. He knows that we're nervous. And he grabs hold of us and he says, I got you. You're not going to fall. I got you. I got you. You're not going to fall. We just simply have to allow him to do what he does best. But it only happens when we connect with him on a regular basis in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. You are the eternal God. There is no God besides you. There is no one that can compare to you. You see, you know. All things are laid bare before you, O oh God. And so, God, I pray now that you would, as we embark on this new study, this series, that you would create within us that space to think about these things, to ponder these things. That for us, God, for some of us who have never prayed, this would be a new day that we would start. 
for some of us who have been praying and praying and praying and gotten tired, God, that we would be reinvigorated some kind of way, that we would start to pray again. And then for some of us who are already hot in our prayers, I pray, God, that you would help us to continue the journey, trusting you, knowing that you will not let us fall, that you will carry us through, that you love us and encourage us to be with you. In the precious and matchless name of Jesus Christ, your son, amen.